When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Justice Secretary Robert Buckland is our very first guest in this hour. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. As I say, an awful lot to talk about. And and, and a lot of these stories, that you do, they combine the politics uh, and the health side of uh, of coronavirus. Uh, face masks, first of all, very much in the news. Uh, the Prime Minister hinted in a sort of video Q&A with the public on Friday that, that face masks could possibly become compulsory. Uh, yesterday, Michael Gove, your, co- your Cabinet colleague, uh, said it's a matter of common courtesy for people to wear a face mask, but that it wouldn't become compulsory in shops. What's your view? Well, I think that uh, Michael is absolutely right to talk about the wearing of a covering as a a mark of courtesy. Indeed, it's a mark of altruism as well. I think the evidence is that uh, if you wear a mask, it doesn't necessarily stop the disease from affecting you, but you can can prevent inadvertent transmission. And bearing in mind the fact that we want to encourage more people out into the shops, and particularly people who are shielding, that will come to an end at the end of July, uh, we need to think about them and we need to help give them the confidence to feel that they're going into safe spaces. Of course, we keep this matter under uh, almost daily review. Uh, they're compulsory on uh, public transport. Uh, and I think we will see more and more people wearing coverings because uh, I trust the common sense of the British people. The trouble is the very people who perhaps are putting themselves most at risk and don't believe there is a risk to them, they're the most people who are most likely not to then wear a mask. They're the most likely people to be putting other people at risk. So there's no point us all being on a train or in a shop all covering our faces. <laughs> If the three people who've been exposing themselves, who are who are no symptoms, walking around with coronavirus, able to infect other people, if they're not wearing a mask. Well, look, Julia, I mean, you're absolutely right to warn against the irresponsible minority. Uh, and that's why I think that, uh, you know, for example, if you're on a train or a bus, sometimes you could be there for many hours standing or sitting next to somebody you don't know. I think wearing a, a covering there uh, is absolutely right and it's right to make it mandatory. Uh, as I've said, we're keeping this under very close scrutiny. Um, the evidence shows that uh, more and more people are getting out there and going shopping and enjoying the normal things of life. But we'd like to see more. Uh, and if, therefore, more of us are going to be associating with each other in enclosed spaces, we don't know each other, we, we don't know each other's history, then I think wearing a covering is a sensible thing to do. 
And do you think that's that is going to encourage more people to get back to work? Because the message has very subtly changed from, you know, don't use public transport unless absolutely necessary to. Yes, you can use public transport. Get, you know, work from home if you can work from home. Now, go back to work if you can go back to work. But we are not seeing a mass influx of people back into the workplace. Uh, we're not seeing people coming off the furlough mm. scheme yet. Um, has the government's message simply been, well, everyone was quite happy to obey the message back in March, weren't they, to go on you know, furloughing workers, closing businesses. But people don't seem to be listening to the message now, which is that actually the biggest risk we've got to ourselves right now is the economic collapse and the long-term effects on our NHS yeah. and our health from that. Whereas people are still cowering at home while our economy collapses and our NHS will follow very soon afterwards. Well, look, Julie, I think I think what's happening is that, of course, government is the only voice in this. And rightly, employers and people responsible for health and safety at work are uh, intervening and giving guidance to their workforces. So individual workplaces, uh, you know, will give uh, instructions to their uh, employers and employees. And of course, some people will still be able to continue working from home. I think what we're seeing is a sort of staggered return where you might have you know people in on different days of the week to avoid uh, too much of a crowd in a particular workplace that seems to be a very sensible adjustment and you know i'm trusting not just individuals but companies and firms and businesses to make the right calls so that they as you say can play their part in the economic recovery but at the same time keeping people safe you know this return to a normality was always going to be the most complex part of the equation uh, a shutdown is a very you know straight and simple instruction but i'm seeing that in different workplaces sensible individual decisions are being made by and on behalf of the workforce. Okay, well, okay. Are sensible individual decisions being made when it comes to the issue of immigration? We've seen uh, a lot more coming out in the last couple of days and in the coming days ahead about Brexit and how things are going to change uh, on the 1st of January next year. But one of the things we're hearing from your colleague, the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, is more detail on this uh, immigration uh, points-based system. Um, How is that going to work for... I mean, look, a lot of people say really happy to have highly paid, highly skilled scientists, entrepreneurs, people who are going to be net contributors. Lots of people very unhappy about the prospect of, of unskilled, low paid workers. But that's going to have a knock on effect, not just for, you know, the fruit pickers and all of that, but also, as we know, for jobs like those in care homes. Suddenly we are valuing people who work in care homes for the first time, most of them paid under £10 an hour. How are you going to actually allow people to come and work in care homes where they're much needed in this country when they won't be able to get through the immigration points based system? Well, I mean, look, I think the important point here, Julia, is two things. One, we are creating a, a unified immigration system for the first time in uh, many in two in a generation or two. And I think that sends a really clear message to people from wherever they come in the world that if they have the requisite skills and have something to offer, they're welcome in the UK. And secondly, this is a system that is going to be based upon evidence of need. So we'll have the Migration Advisory Committee, Independent Committee advising the government about what the needs are. And adjustments can be made within the system to take into account particular demand. But I think it's also important that we send a clear message that we don't want the immigration system to to drive down wages uh, and uh, in effect be a source of cheap Labour, I think that would be wrong. The public voted against that uh, at the general election. They want a, a new system to be brought in by the Conservative government. Uh, and I think we owe it to them. And indeed, we owe it to low paid workers as well to make sure that the immigration system doesn't inadvertently undercut the valuable service that they are providing. Well, I mean, well then we are going to have to see realistically pay rises for care workers, aren't we? 
Well, look, I think all of us want to see care workers valued. Uh, we Let's not forget we've got a significant existing cohort of care workers who've come from all over the world. Uh, COVID has shone a light upon the incredible work that they do and the vulnerabilities that they face. Uh, and therefore, I think uh, an immigration system that doesn't drive down uh, wages is got to be a good thing for the people of this country. OK, well, you talk about legal migration. Um, of course, not much point tackling legal migration if we have illegal migration at the rate that we appear to have. Just yesterday, 200 illegal migrants uh, travelling across the, the Channel from France were caught. I mean, who knows how many hundreds uh, got through and how many get through every single day. Uh, your, you say your colleague, Priti Patel, is going to be talking to her French counterpart, saying, you know, we want you to, you know, to, when, you, when you intercept these boats, take them back to France rather than delivering to the, French, to the British Coast Guard. But um, why, why does this country find it so difficult, given that we are an island nation, to police our borders? When it, I mean, this is a simple matter of throwing the correct resources at it, isn't it? I mean, this is not complicated. We don't. We as a British nation, and I'm sure there are some you know, liberals re- reading the Guardian right now who think it's a great idea to have hundreds of illegal migrants <coughs> coming across the Channel. We don't know who they are, where they're coming from, or what their purposes are. But most of us who are sane think it's madness. Why aren't we simply policing our borders properly? Well, I, I think you know you make a very powerful point about policing the borders. Uh, we are doing more and more uh, year by year to improve the way that we track people, not just coming in, but also leaving the country as well. And technology is going to be our friend in improving and increasing that resource. I think that uh, being an island has its advantages, but it also has its challenges as well. And that's why the boat issue and the irregular boats going, you know, not necessarily to the big ports, but the small beaches and the uh, you know the inlets that uh, are difficult to police do pose a challenge to us. But you know the Home Secretary was in uh, France yesterday with their French counterparts signing a, an important agreement about sharing information and intelligence. And I think it's that sort of bilateral, practical approach that we can take with the French and indeed with other uh, um, friendly governments as well that can help us track the course of illegal migration and uh, cut it off at its source to make sure that people aren't you know. A lot of these people are making incredibly risky journeys, risking life and limb to themselves and their families. Uh, I think we owe it to them as well to have a more rigorous system that can actually safeguard the lives of people, uh, sadly, of whom far too many have lost their lives in the Mediterranean well, I mean, or indeed the English they're, Channel. They're, I mean, they're, they're hardly fleeing persecution and horror of war in France, are they? I mean, it's well, where, no, I where I'm I mean, going on holiday on Friday, for God's sake. Well, it's not that bad. Well, yeah, but a lot of them, a lot of them might have come to France from other countries. And look, France I'm making a safe the country. point. Exactly. But I'm making the point, Julia, that I think that, uh, you know, it's 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 the old arguments about, oh, you know, you're tough and intolerant towards people from other countries. It's not about that. It's about making sure that we can reduce flows of migration from, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or the Middle East by actually supporting people closer to home and making sure that they keep their talent uh, at home rather than having to risk their lives making these journeys. And of course, being exploited by people traffickers as well. Well, let's also talk about this fine. Finally, about what you you are, you're announcing today, it's a consultation on uh, doubling the maximum sentence for people who assault an emergency worker, doubling it from 12 months uh, to two years in prison. Um, a lot of people would would endorse this, but is there any point in in, in having higher sentences if only seven percent of crimes are ever solved? 
Well, look, I mean, Julia, the uh, point about detection and investigation is a powerful one, which is why we're increasing police numbers. We've already recruited several thousand more police officers. We're going to keep on doing that until we hit our 20,000 target. But today is all about making sure that we can just plug the gap between uh, um, offences that might have historically been treated as very minor matters and then those very serious assaults, GBH, etc., which get the longer sentences. It seems to me that emergency workers, prison officers, policemen, police officers, um, paramedics, all of those people deserve a particular degree of protection. And that's why I think aligning the sentence uh, to two years, which is uh, a similar sentence to other types of uh, assault, uh, particularly against police officers with intent to resist arrest, for example, I think that sends a very clear message that we want to make sure the courts have the discretion and the necessary power to deal with some of the assaults that we've seen, like spitting or, uh, you know, punching or whatever it might be that might not leave an injury, but which really cause hurt and harm to our frontline workers who give them their all 24-7 to keep us safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Tomorrow, we're expected to get the final decision on Huawei and the role with the 5G network, uh, as uh, the government is going to be advised by the National Security Council, and they are expected to veto Huawei's involvement. Let's talk about this with Tobias Elwood. He's chair of the Defence Select Committee and a Tory MP. Good morning to you, Tobias. 
Good morning to you. You have long been a critic of Huawei's involvement. I mean, they're involved with our nuclear and our, our phone networks. Um, do you expect that the National Security Council will uh, put a ban on? And in which case, would that ban come on immediately? Or, or would it take years? Because we've already, of course, got them involved in 4G and elements of 5G as well. And that's exactly right. This story didn't begin in the last few months. It's actually developed uh, 10, 20 years ago when we started to slow down with our technology capability and became reliant on China. And in January, there was a cap put in place, 35% limiting high-risk vendors such as uh, Huawei. But now we see a big change. The United States have put in sanctions, and that does mean that small businesses can't operate with Huawei and in the UK or indeed the US. And that means the National Security Council uh, has had to review this. We expect a decision on Tuesday. I'd imagine that there will be a time bar put into place where they have to wean themselves out of the UK rather than going immediately. And and will this be more as a result of just a wake-up call that China is a hostile state, we can't trust them and, and, and we need to uh, you know wake up to that and, and not rely on them? Um, or is it down to the fact that we face repercussions in terms of, as you say, that, that, as you just mentioned, uh, dealings with other countries like America and indeed the lack of um, security information sharing that's going to happen as a result of Huawei being involved uh, with our networks? Is, it, is this a sort of a, a positive decision on our part or are we just being pressured from the United <coughs> States and others? No, I think it's very much our decision. We need to make sure that uh, our uh, telecoms infrastructure is actually secure and safe. There are big questions as to what Huawei does with this data. And it's quite right then that we take precautions. There's no longer a division between the core and periphery, if you like. You can't keep technology companies on the outside because, of course, everybody then ultimately has access. But there's a bit, bit of question that you touched on, which is ultimately... Are we re-evaluating our views on China? We've hoped that they would mature into a responsible international stakeholder. And we see that that is not happening. How they covered up and suppressed the news of the uh, uh, the virus outbreak, what they're doing in Hong Kong right now. You know, their, their soft power pressure is quite amazing. I've read from the National Security Advisor in the United States um, that they understand that the uh, the Tom Cruise film, Top Gun, which people will be familiar with, the Chinese have managed to actually pressurize Hollywood to remove the Japanese and Taiwan flags from Tom Cruise's jacket. Now, that is an indication of true soft power, if, if I've ever saw one. Absolutely. I mean, this is, as you say, not just coronavirus, the treatment of uh, of Hong Kong and indeed the uh, million Uyghur people, uh, Muslims in, uh, in camps, in fact, all types of purposes, re-education concentration camps in China should be a bit of a wake-up call. But also, of course, the fact that one of the reasons we've thought, well, it's a bit risky to take Huawei out of the 5G network is we may then face a cyber warfare attack, uh, as we know Australia suffered, and they suspect it was uh, by China. China as when they decided to remove Huawei from uh, any of their uh, networks. Um, but the fact that you may face cyber warfare as a response to not using a firm, that's a bit of a giveaway that you probably shouldn't be using that firm. It is. And that's why I'm actually calling for a fundamental foreign policy overhaul of how we address China. Uh, let's not forget what happened back in 1946. You know, our allies with the Soviet unions after the war, it took Churchill in his Fulton, Missouri speech, that famous Iron Curtain speech to wake the world up to say, uh, listen, these are no longer our friends. They have a very different ideological approach to the world. They are a threat. And I'd love to hear a fresh speech by our prime minister actually advocating the fact that China, China is actually now a full competitor to us actually threaten us in certain aspects of life. And we need to stand up. We simply cannot continue appeasing. We've been fobbed off by them for too long.
What about their involvement in our nuclear power stations in Hinkley? I mean, it, it does seem to me to be pretty terrifying that nuclear is supposed to provide 20% of our energy, that we would have uh, a state-backed, you no know, Chinese state-backed companies involved in, in such vital uh, you know, energy supplies for this country if we can't trust them on the 5G network. Well, the point is, is if you have a foreign policy overhaul, then you would look at every single aspect of our critical national infrastructure, which would include nuclear as well. But ultimately, they are on a very different trajectory. We are entering a bipolar world. I predict on this current course of of where we're going, uh, we will end up into another Cold War. And I'm just curious as to which country is going to actually call this out, first of all, rather than continually trying to appease China. I hope it's Britain that does that. I hope it's Boris Johnson that does that. Well, indeed, I mean, the front page of the Mail today is echoing a lot of stories that have been around for the last few weeks. This idea that actually the Chinese government has been sort of grooming their word, grooming the uh, political elites in many countries, particularly here in the UK, um, and these sort of fixers who are there to sort of schmooze, to persuade senior figures in our establishment, uh, politicians, uh, business figures and the others, uh, to to be supportive of Chinese involvement uh, in crucial parts of our critical infrastructure. Um, How much do you think this has been a deliberate ploy by the Chinese, possibly for nefarious means? And how much do you think this is just about they want to make money and they want to, they're quite happy to exploit uh, our need for their uh, their money and their investment and their expertise. How, how, how I suppose, how, how nefarious do you think their actions have been? Well, it, China has long recognised that it's important to have the hard power. They've got the biggest army in the world now. They're advancing on their navy and their air force. But ultimately, it's the information campaign that's critical. And the best way to win that is to get your own people to actually shout for you. And that's exactly what we're seeing happening. A huge amount of pressure taking place across the world. Years and years of of pressing, of of, of schmoozing, of of getting these individuals to start to like China and assume that actually what they're going to do is be friendly to China and uh, do China's bidding for them. And that's what we're seeing. They've actually taken very uh, many of the top slots in the United Nations, in the World Health Organization and others so that they actually can uh, suppress any criticism of China. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, talk radio. Trans activism and whether or not you're allowed to, you know, say simple things like um, trans women are not women. They are biologically still men, even if they are post-surgery, still biologically. They may legally be women, but biologically they still contain the same, uh, have the same bodies they were born with in that respect and the same... uh, uh, chromosomes and the like. And yet we have seen uh, this demand that uh, trans women should be able to enter women-only spaces. Women-only spaces like changing rooms, like prisons, like women's refuges, like rape cry centres, where they are women-only for a really specific reason, completely allowed by the law for those specific reasons, to protect vulnerable women and girls. And yet, extraordinary, Cambridge Rape Crisis Centre has been advertising, along with other rape crisis centres, Sheffield Rape Crisis Centre including as well, to uh, advertise to allow self-identifying women, i.e. trans women, to work in their rape crisis centres, pointing out that uh, actually... Uh, these they were trans inclusive and there's no risk of men dressing up as women to access vulnerable women these are trans women who have every right to work in these jobs as well i think a lot of people just think this defies belief um, i'm sure among them is nicola williams from fair play for women who's been speaking out on this issue as you'll know for many years good morning to you nicola I'm here. Yeah, Nicola. Yeah, the joys, the joys of Zoom interviews. Eh? Yes. We've all been there through lockdown, haven't we? Um, I mean, when I saw this story, I mean, one of the things we were always told was 
don't be silly. You're never going to have a situation where vulnerable women are going to be put at risk of any of trans women, i.e. biologically born men, um, uh, from being a risk to women. And then we've seen, uh, you know, sexual predators, in, men sentenced to as men for sexual crimes against women, calling themselves transsexual, no transitioning, no surgery, no drugs or anything, being moved into women's prisons and sexually assaulting vulnerable women prisoners. And we're always told, oh, don't be silly, you won't be seeing men working in rape crisis centres. If That would be terrible for the women who've been a victim of male violence. And yet here we are, they're actually advertising. Can you even get your head around this? Well, this is actually quite normal now. Public bodies, private organisations have all decided that that word woman doesn't mean female anymore. Um, It just means um, a set of behaviours or, you know, an internal sense of womanliness, really. Um, So it includes anyone that simply feels like a woman. I mean, you might say, so what? It's just a word, you know, trans, if trans people can feel better for that, then great, why not do it? But words have real life consequences, don't they? And so it means if you see a sign that says woman only, you can no longer be sure now that that's male free. So of course we're going to have um, males um, on the helplines of, of rape crisis centres because that's the policy now that most of these companies um, will use and you know most of the time we, we don't separate the sexes but when we do it's for a good reason and that's because of someone's sex not their gender identity I mean this is the thing we're constantly told you know this is transphobia and you know why would the these trans women be a threat to uh, uh, to, to women but the point is this isn't about this isn't about making people feel good about themselves this is about women in their most vulnerable state seeking help after being violently sexually assaulted and wanting to feel safe and not wanting men to be in the room. We know like most, you know, rape counsellors and, 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 and the, the, the police officers assigned to deal with these cases initially are often women for that very reason, so that women feel safer. It defies belief that any right thinking person, I don't care what your gender or what your sexuality is, would think that they would want to put their needs, their, their wants above the needs of a victim of a serious crime and their moment of, of, of need. It seems to me to be peculiarly selfish. Well, yeah, I mean, and all these things are completely lawful. I mean, we've women have won the right to be able to say no to males because we've acknowledged as a society that it's important that sometimes women need male-free spaces, and particularly when it comes to a rape crisis centre. Um, and so this concept of women only is a huge part of women's rights. And, you know, if if the word woman includes male people then that word is utterly meaningless and so are women's rights that's the problem here because this isn't a trans rights issue actually this is a women's rights issue and that's why women are objecting and why women are saying no to this online on dab and on the talk radio app Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.